Hey, Griffin. Hey, Henry. So here we are with another episode of Generation Elect. I think our seventh episode so far. It's been a week. It's been a week since our last one, but uh, we've got plenty of good topics to cover for you this time around. And uh, I hope you stay with us. It'll be a good episode. Please be sure to like like our podcast on iTunes. It helps people find us. So um, our topics for today's episode of Generation Elect are. Um, Trump gave a State of the Union address on Tuesday, so we're going to cover that and uh, talk about what we saw on that. Um, more chaos in Virginia, as pretty much every top-ranking official in their government has a scandal uncovered. And um, finally, a new Democratic hopeful throws her name into the hat. So we'll start with uh, the State of the Union. Trump gave his yearly address. It was delayed on Tuesday. We saw many things. It was one. It was one after one of the most tumultuous times in his presidency. What were your overall takes from his address, Griffin? Well, I noticed that during President Trump's State of the Union address, he tried to move more towards bipartisanship. Uh, he wanted. Uh, he also noted that uh, partisan investigations into his presidency should cease. Many Democrats were unhappy when he stated that. He uh, also um, mentioned several veterans who were there at um d-day he uh i believe wasn't buzz aldrin there i think he was yeah he honored him um, and he was mentioning his uh the good economy well for now good economy as he does and um, and yeah i thought it was interesting how um he did say that uh partisan investigation is a uh, like is a step backward he addressed that in public and i thought it was he just put that in there as a little subtle remark, trying to get that word out. I don't know. Do you think that was definitely planned? And yeah, yeah. I, I do see it as planned. One thing I did notice is that this address was pretty darn long. Nixon's back in '72, his State of the Union address was less than half an hour long, and this one was over an hour and twenty. Yeah, he definitely had a lot of things to say, and he put on um. He put on an impression that I don't think we had seen before. He was very reserved, and he, um, one of my favorite New York Times co- columnists, Frank Bruni, said that he came out as a feminist, which I thought was interesting. He did say that more women than ever in Congress were um, elected. He, uh, congratula- he congratulated them, and they all jumped up and cheered. What were your thoughts on all of them jumping up and cheering? Oh, that was interesting. Well, I know that they are cheering mainly because this would be kind of an unexpected remark from Trump. Mm-hmm. One who isn't very popular with women, as we've noted. Um, although we did have a female campaign manager, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Oh, yeah. Um, however, um, it was very noted that during the midterms, it was suburban women that were really turning the tide in states mm-hmm. like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, California. And in the midterms, it was women who took the stage and more and more women are getting elected to the U.S. Congress. And I feel like for them, it was more of a thing like um, they were celebrating the fact they didn't care who said it. It was Trump, Donald Trump who said that, but they didn't care that, about that. They just cared that that was the facts and they wanted to celebrate that. So I thought that was a I thought that was a nice moment to see all of them dressed in white based off of what women wore women's at suffrage. marches. Yeah. Yeah. Women's suffrage. So. It was good to see them. That's what Hillary Clinton wore at the Democratic National Convention a couple years ago. And yeah. it was good to see them jumping up and cheering. Something that Trump was very surprised at. You saw his 
unexpected remark. Yeah. I mean, like his fa- the, his expression on his face. He was he was very surprised that they would yeah. do that. I also noticed that during the State of the Union, Joe Manchin, who for those who don't know, he's a Democratic senator from West Virginia. And although yep. he's a Democrat in West Virginia is a deeply conservative state, he's much more moderate than your typical Democrat. He's not. He like panders to them a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trump was mentioning something that, about I think oil and gas. Now West Virginia is a um, has a lot of natural gas production, and uh, I noticed that Manchin was he was like applauding heavily when Trump was mentioning um, oil and gas production. And uh, I actually noticed Manchin was like, he winked at Trump. That was a funny sight to see. Yeah, Manchin has been a very conservative Democrat. He's a... He might even he, endorse Trump. He, uh, yeah, he voted for Brett Kavanaugh. He um, voted he's for not Gorsuch a, I, as well. I have very uh, mixed feelings about him. But um, as a Democrat, he's not one of my favorite people inside the party because I think he does pander to the conservative side. But I think that... He is a Democrat ally for Trump, someone he can look to to talk with. And that's a bit concerning from someone who wants the Democrat base completely united against him, because I think that's the best strategy for the liberals. But during the State of the Union, it was good to see. um, It was interesting to see Nancy Pelosi behind him, because we've seen uh, the pictures all on the Internet of Nancy Pelosi doing that sarcastic clap and looking right into Donald Trump's eyes. Yeah, and the kid who fell asleep. During the State of the Union. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, like, I'm surprised he fell asleep with all the applause that was going on. And it was, it was like 9 p.m. So they noted it was very, they noted a bit of irony in the internet that was um, Trump invited a girl named Grace to the State of the Union. I'm sure people who watch the State of the Union remember this and how about how she survived a fight with cancer, I believe. But um, the irony was that uh, Republicans voted to take away her health care 20 times. And they all applauded her at the end. So I thought that was, I thought that was something that was interesting. But um, in the end, it was it wasn't a great speech by Donald Trump because his whole uh, his whole premise was shut down a couple months, couple weeks ago, and he had to prepare really quickly. But what did you think about what he said about immigration? Because it wasn't a topic he dealt heavily on, but it it did it did come up. Well, for quite a long time, I have been. Not a very big fan of Donald Trump on the policy of immigration. I am, I guess, I side more with the Democrats on immigration. Um, I don't think it's really necessary to deport uh, hardworking illegal immigrants. I feel the only illegal immigrants that should be deported are criminal illegals. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel the wall isn't really going to work. Uh, there have been tunnel systems, even ones with rails and um, like rail lines and air conditioning even <laughs> that go from Tijuana to San Diego. Um, there are also drones which can carry drugs, uh, fly drugs across the border. The wall is just and it's also costly. It's more symbolic for Trump than. Yeah, it's, it's but he did symbolic. say he did say very matter of factly, I'm going to get this built. So, like, it showed that he's not giving up on this wall. He doesn't want to give up, but eventually somebody's going to give up. And I think if Trump pulls pulls himself back into this fight, which we might see because these people need a deal by Monday, if he if Trump pulls himself back into this fight in a wall, he'd lose again. And this time it would he would I think he would lose because yeah, there's so nothing he's done to get more support. And 
what his big loss to Nancy yeah. Pelosi three weeks ago, that's going to remain intact. So now, can we universally agree that the border should be secured? It's just how should we secure it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, it's bipartisan that we can use funds to increase border security. But ev- all, all the Democrats, pretty much, except for one representative in California named Katie Hill, and, a, and a, not a majority of Republicans, but a huge contingent of them, just don't think this wall is the best option. But Trump, straying from his party's uh, values and the nation's majority consensus, uh, did say he would still build a wall, and he hasn't given yeah. up on that yeah. really like, far-fetched hope. The moderate Republicans in the House, like John Katko, who's from Syracuse, Brian Fitzpatrick, who's from the Philly suburbs, yeah. and uh, Will Hurd, who's from a huge district spanning the Texan border with Mexico, they're all against the wall, but they do want to secure the border. And with even some key members in the Senate who are either secretly or somewhat, uh, somewhat um, publicly yeah, like against Lisa the wall. Yeah, like Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. Susan Collins. Like, I don't, I don't know what Trump was thinking addressing his joint session of Congress, most of whom are opposed against it, and saying that we're still going to get this wall built because... I just don't, that's not the smart move from him. It's not smart to drag himself back into this fight and just prepping him for that in the State of the Union. It's just, he needs to take that as a loss. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, any other takeaways from Trump's second State of the Union address? What do you think about Stacey Abrams at the end? Oh, um, Stacey Abrams, I feel like she's preparing for something big. She was the nominee for governor of Georgia. Um, she actually won um, her nomination in the Democratic primary for governor of Georgia in a landslide. She came very close to forcing a runoff in that governor race against Kemp. However, there were several accusations of voter suppression, particularly against African Americans. And she addressed that in her rebuttal. She, yes, she that was did. her main point she brought up, voter suppression. Uh, voter boxes. suppression. Yeah. However, I do feel that she's trying to, she's trying to get somewhere. I feel uh, she might run for Senate in uh, 2020 against Purdue, uh, the yeah. Republican senator. But, I mean, out of all the losers in the midterm races, Beto O'Rourke is getting presidential coverage. Oh, yeah. Is there anything stopping Stacey Abrams from throwing herself into that race? Because she's she has a really bright future in the Democrat Party. And um, the, yeah, well, don't, there are a few other Democrats that I think might run against Purdue. Uh, let's see here. There's a uh, former mayor of Atlanta, Kasim Reed, Former mayor of Columbus, Georgia, who is Teresa Tomlinson, um, and might be the state representative Scott Holcomb, but really, I feel like Abrams is the most prominent Georgia Democrat. Yeah, who did, uh, run for Senate and or for governor in 2022. She's eclipsed her state. She's become a nationwide thing, figure, and uh, I think we can universally agree that she does have a future in politics. That that defeat was not the end of the road. Certainly, for her. and the Democrats wanted to keep her involved, giving her that little rebuttal, and she did a very good job. I thought. Yeah, and yeah. Bernie gave his own rebuttal. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's gonna definitely do that, but um. State of the Union. It was Tuesday. It was frantic. It was interesting. There were, and it was long. It was long. And um, yeah, if you have any comments, the listener, um, please send them to us and we'll discuss them with you. But yeah, so we'll move on to our second topic now. Very interesting one that we did brush over last week, but more has come. So uh, in Virginia, uh, 
the whole whole um top ranking officials uh ralph ralph northam was accused of uh in a yearbook having pictures of blackface and kkk robes which was bad that, that that's old news and then yes. justin fairfax the guy who's um who was slated to take over for him is on um allegations of sexual assault and the attorney general. general of the state mark herring who does wish to run for governor in 2021 he also admitted to being in a blackface photo when he was younger. So, so is this the kind of thing where it's just like all of you clear out, or like, what, what are your think, thoughts? I don't think all the Virginia. Well, there are only three statewide elected officials. But there's the three. Senate. They're the three biggest ones. They're the three yeah. biggest ones. Governor, so it's gonna attorney be general, too. lieutenant governor. Uh, fourth in line is the speaker of the House of Delegates, and he's a Republican, Kirk Cox. So it would be changing, changing yeah, hands. I, mean, I feel the most likely to resign might be Fairfax because of his uh, sexual abuse allegations. That's yeah. the only one where really the law can have an effect. Now, Ralph Northam and um, Mark Herring cannot be sent to prison for having blackface photos, but they can kind of suffer in yeah. approval ratings. I mean... And, um, the... Uh, all I've heard from media opinion articles is that he should resign. But I did come across yeah. a New York Times article saying, "Why are we letting this guy um, be judged by his? Why are the... I'm, not, I'm not I'm not agreeing with this, but it's an interesting opinion. Why Why should this guy be um, judged by his worst moment? Yeah, like the article pointed out that he had served for 45 years without a hint of racial bias, and it's just interesting. If this guy, if this guy or a guy in general is doing a good job, and then this one awful thing comes out. Is that like such in Al Franken's case too? Is that should he should he resign? Should that one thing ruin him? Well, to me, it would depend on if he's um, breaking the law or not. Now, I do agree that what Ralph Northam did was certainly not a very good choice back when he was in med school. However, um, he did not violate the law in any way, shape, or form. I don't think he has that he necessarily should resign. However, this kind of just goes to show um, it's kind of a it's going to act as a stain for Virginia Democrats. Yeah. Um, I don't see Herring or Fairfax becoming the nominee for governor of Virginia come 2021. I feel like maybe Periello, uh, who ran against Northam in 2017, might do it. But I, I feel like uh, I feel like Northam should resign just to be the better man, set a precedent to, to others who come later like Steve King. And, you know, Democrats have pr- prided themselves in the past on having considerably less scandals than Republicans. But um, yeah, like this, is, this, is a step, this is a step backwards for those morals. And I think if they want to maintain their grace, whatever grace they have left, and for the Democratic Party to maintain a good rec- reputation, especially in Virginia, they need yeah. to let others step up who have yeah. a Yeah, to me, this isn't really an issue. I am not a Democrat myself. I consider myself a libertarian, but um, I could certainly see why Virginia Democrats would want Ralph Northam to resign. It's all about setting a precedent, yeah. Yes. If a Virginia Republican, now, if he doesn't resign, maybe in 30 years, Virginia will have a Republican governor and something bad about him. I doubt it. He wouldn't resign, so we don't want that. That's why Al Franken stepped down, set a precedent, and we need to keep setting the right precedents so oh. they don't have an excuse, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm saying this from a liberal perspective, but yes. I think that 
that's the ethical thing to do. So we've got a bunch of topics to discuss as our third little topic. But oh uh, yes, speaking of Al today. Franken, his um, well, former co-senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, she is announcing a presidential bid. Yes, and Klobuchar is um the longtime Minnesota senator. She's been a big face in the Democrat Party, played a big very part in the popular here in Minnesota, and um. Yeah, how far is this going to go? Is she does she have the nationwide caliber to challenge right at the top, or what do well, you this nationwide, I feel like Klobuchar, she's kind of like a dark horse candidate. Yeah, but in Minnesota, she's she could definitely win the Minnesota primary. That's a big. That's a big primary. That's yeah, because she she earned the endorsement of the governor Tim Waltz, uh, the other senator um, uh, Tina Smith, and the lieutenant governor Peggy Flanagan. Plus the mayor of Minneapolis, the mayor of Duluth, and the mayor of uh, some city like near Fargo, North Dakota, like Red Cross. Okay. And I think yeah. I think that Klobuchar, um, being from Minnesota, and when that primary comes around, having a good chance to win it, will keep her in it because um, we saw John Kasich, who was in 2016, who was a long shot for the bid. He kept alive in the he race. Won Ohio. In Ohio. That was all he won. And um, I think Klobuchar having that advantage will be very good, very good for her. And I think she's a dark horse for now, definitely. But she could cause some noise. I mean, go a few hours south from Minneapolis and you're in the state of Iowa. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. We all know easy travels to Iowa. Um, yeah. But certainly, I feel maybe the absence of some big names like Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Beto O'Rourke. That would help her. Um, yeah. She could definitely go far. Uh, she could um, kind of finesse the moderates and more mainstream Democrats and cause a rift um, between, because there's already going to be a rift between Kamala and uh, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Chris Gillibrand, maybe even. Well, yeah, there is a different sector of the of the Democrat Party that's becoming more younger, diverse, and progressive, and uh, that's the sector that Amy Klubakar and uh, Joe Biden are not in, so it's going to be interesting to, he- to see some more moderate Democrats uh, battling it out in the race, and I think that Amy Klobuchar could get some big, big support from old Democrats in the party. Hillary. Yep. Hillary Clinton could be one, like um, Al Gore. Those, the, the older, early 2000 kind of Democrats. Barack we're not, Obama. We're not the same like, of... Uh, maybe even Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, there is one thing on Amy Klobuchar. Like, people are saying that she's like not a, not a nice person to work with and like a mean oh, boss. Yeah. Yeah. You heard about that? And like... I mean, like, that's not, like, a scandal or anything, but... Uh, she does have a an enormous home state appeal. She won re-election in 2018 by a greater margin than Elizabeth Warren did. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone like Sherrod Brown, too, could have a huge home state appeal if he um, does decide Brown, to Sherrod Brown, certainly. Yeah. But um, Amy Klobuchar running, I'm, I'm glad she's in it. She seems like a good, good candidate. And, uh, yeah... So, um, oh, also, um, I have a bit of news from Congress. Sure. So, a congressman from Georgia named Rob Woodall, he's a Republican from the Atlanta suburbs. He is retiring in 2020. Now, um, he won re election by only about 400 votes. It was the closest House race of 2018. Now, with him retiring, that gives Democrats a big opening. They picked up, um, Georgia's sixth with Lucy McBath, 
a progressive African-American woman and gun control activist. Um, they certainly do have a shot in this suburban one in Georgia. Um, also, in other news, Congressman Walter Jones, a Republican from North Carolina, like the Outer Banks and coastal regions of North Carolina, he has just died at the age of 76 he was one of my uh, favorite members of Congress. He's uh, he was a anti-Trump Republican, libertarian leaning. He um, died on his birthday, coincidentally. Um, yeah, my grandparents. That also might have a special election due to intense voter fraud. Yeah, um, there are definitely some House uh, seats to keep up on and look yeah, at. Yeah, and one in uh, northern Pennsylvania. Yep. And uh, one House of Representatives member uh, wanted to bring up this topic, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I'm sure all of you are very familiar with. Of course. She's taken Washington by storm in her time as representative. And uh, you see just videos of her on C-SPAN almost every every week, like doing something interesting, cool, and creative. You saw, like, she played, like, a lightning round game with, like, campaign donor fraud, which I thought was very interesting a couple days ago. So... I'm just curious your thoughts on, like, she's brought such a different perspective and such a different take to Washington politics. Like, is, she's, is she a maverick in the, new, in the new wing of politics? Well, I wouldn't really consider her a maverick, because a maverick is someone who's very independent, kind of um, on their own. She does have a bunch of close allies in Congress, even in the House of Representatives itself, like uh, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, yep. Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. Um, but she definitely could go further in the future. Um, maybe if uh, Chuck Schumer retires or Andrew Cuomo retires, she could go for either of those um, seats. Mm-hmm. And some Democrats, are some. there are plenty of establishment Democrats that do not like her. Some of them want to put up a primary challenger against her, but that's oh, just um, tough. yeah, they'd lose. But uh, I think that you know, with that kind of role, with that kind of attention, that new front she's bringing, you're gonna have haters on both sides. And um, I like what she stands for. She's she's currently the polit- my political hero, I guess if you could call it that. Yeah, I but, guess uh, mine would be Justin Amish from Michigan. Is he a representative? Um. He is from, he's a representative from Michigan. Oh, really? Okay. Rapids. I know. He's been uh, around since 2011. One of my favorites, Rashida Tlaib, is from Michigan. Yeah. No, is... Opposite side of the state. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting and uh, something to keep out and keep an eye on. But, so, yeah, if um, any of you have any political questions, then definitely uh, uh, send them to us at Generation Elect. Follow us there on Instagram. And um, thanks for listening. Is there anything you want to uh, point out before we end the pod? Um, I believe we've covered it all. Yeah, and we'll be back soon, uh, probably next week. I mean, there's got there's going to be a there's got to be a deal, or the government's shut down again. So maybe we'll just re-air yeah. one of our previous episodes where the government was shut down. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, down in Georgia. Yeah, but we'll we'll see you guys. Bye. Thanks. All right. See you, everybody. Yep.